You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Ahoy, awesome alliance of alert and adorable attendees. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 106. And of course, I am your humble host, Karen, and we are your bumbling but barely beastly bunch of brain buffs. I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And no Chris this week. He is in Boston at PAX, PAX East, the video game convention. And he already told me that uh, some Good Job Brain fans already recognize yeah. him. Yeah. Oh, said awesome. hi. So very, very cool. Before we start the show, yes. we have a giant correction segment. Um, actually, um, actually, what you said just wasn't true. Um, actually, do you mind if I correct you? Because actually, factually, and quite enthusiastically, I was right, and you were wrong. That's exactly what inspired me to write this Um Actually song. You were wrong. We have a big Um Actually two episodes ago in our April Fool's episode. Chris is not here. It was actually his mistake. That's uh, why he's not here. <laughs> he talked about some of the famous April Fool's right, jokes right. around the world. And one of them was from a news segment. Uh, it was about the spaghetti farmers. And he said it was the Swedish spaghetti farmers, but actually it's the Swiss. Right. And none of yeah. us caught it. No. It was kind of embarrassing, but at the same time, like when I was fact checking it, when I was editing it, I was like, ah, it's Swiss. But I didn't want to take out the whole segment because it was funny. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We apologize to two countries. Yes. yes. <laughs> Whoops. So thank you guys for uh, all your emails and posts telling us that we got it wrong. Thank you very much. All right, then let's jump into our first general trivia segment, Pop Quiz Hotshot. Here, I have a random trivial pursuit card. Oh, no. All right. Uh, and you guys have your barnyard buzzers. Yeah, I just see yeah. the well, first are there question. Are there pictures or something? No, I just or? see the first question. Okay. I was like, I'm going right. to botch this up. All right. So Colin versus Dana. Here we go. <laughs> oh, boy. Blue Wedge for Geography. I'm so sorry if I'm pronouncing this wrong. In what country is the town of Lanfair, Pula, Gwenagila, Gogur, Chihuahua, Drobe, Willen, Chisagogo, Gosh located? <laughs> Oh, I'm gonna guess yeah. uh, based on based on your laughter and the mangling uh, whales. It sounds like a yes. it sounds like a mangled Welsh name. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, lots of L's and G's, lots of and double Y's. letters. Yeah. Do they have the correct pronunciation on of there in parentheses? Not. Oh, that's not helpful. Yeah, I mean, you... I could have I could have like researched it how to really pronounce it right, but I think that would that's not random. Yeah, you know and, I mean? and you're not gonna do that in the middle of your Trivial Pursuit game yeah. at home. It is Welsh for Saint Mary's Church in the Hollow of White. Hazel near a rapid whirlpool and the church of St. Ticilio of the Red Cave. <laughs> very so, descriptive. It's very it sounds like a yeah. Game of Thrones thing. Yeah. <laughs> they want to make sure you don't confuse caves. it with the next town There's over. another one not by a whirlpool that is <laughs> <laughs> just by a moderate yeah. pool. Alright, Pink Wedge for pop culture. Name two of the three Jonas Brothers. Uh, oh, maybe together yeah. we can... Okay, Dana. Nick, Nick and Joe. Nick and Joe. Oh, okay. Well, that's all we had to do was two wait, of the three, wait, right? Wait, wait, what's the other one? The only one I knew was Joe. The only one I knew was Joe. There's a Kevin. Oh. Kevin. Yeah. Kevin, Joe, and Nick. All right. Yeah. 
All right, yellow wedge. Name two of the four. There's a lot of name blank out of blank. Name two of the four U.S. presidents who have won a Nobel Peace Prize. Okay, we could do this together too. So Barack Obama, Obama, right? Uh, Bill Clinton. Did he win? Um, no. no. Um, Jimmy Carter? Yes. Yeah, for the uh, yeah. Nobel Peace Nobel Prize. Nobel Peace Prize. Carter, Obama, maybe like, oh, like Roosevelt? Yeah, like Theodore Which Roosevelt. Which one? Theodore? The- yes. Yeah. And one last one. Woodrow Wilson. Ah, Interesting. Okay. Oh, I guess that kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a good list. Okay. Right, Wilson, sure. Roosevelt, Obama, Carter. Okay. I'm trying to see if I can come up with a mnemonic. Yeah, cow R. No. Cow R? Crow. Crow. Cow R. Cow. <laughs> if only there were something that made more sense <laughs> than with cow the letters R. C R. Oh well. Yeah, we'll come back to that another time. Cow R. Carter, Roosevelt, Obama, Wilson. Okay. Crow. The, the Crow Nobel. All right. Okay. All right. I like Crow, that. Crow Bell. Crow Bell. Crow Bell Peace Prize. <laughs> <laughs> On the fly. We're just loosen up. Uh, okay. Let's see. Purple Wedge. What structure did the Chrysler Building surpass in 1929 as the tallest building in the world? 1929 surpassed. Oh, uh, would it be uh, Eiffel Tower? What do you think, Dana? We'll do a team was answer. The, was the Eiffel Tower the tallest? I guess. Or maybe it, it was. I mean, I know the Brooklyn Bridge was tallest for one point. For at one point. Hmm. Although the Eiffel Tower. Sure. <laughs> Since when are we voting? It's a team it's answer. More, it's more collaborative. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. is the Eiffel Tower. Okay. And we actually yes. had this uh, once in trivia. Uh, which building is taller, the Eiffel Tower or the Space Needle? Right in Seattle. Eiffel and it's Tower. Eiffel Tower. I knew that. I got oh. voted down. Yeah. We, we all thought we're like, oh, well, Space Needle is a more modern structure, probably. <laughs> yeah. <is. Okay. laughs> all right. Yeah. Green wedge for science. When was the computer mouse patented? 1970, uh-huh. 1978, or 1984? Oh, I think it's the earliest. 70, 78, 84. The super soaker? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Must be. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, guys, we're so close. Oh, yeah. Is there any way we power can get some drencher. alliteration in here? Yeah. We yeah. just need some, some. <laughs> the power drencher. Like, if you were going to make a knockoff of the super soaker, it would like, be the power call drencher. It, yeah, the power drencher. Yeah. That's great. Super soaker, correct. And we have uh, a Lobe Trotter question. Lobe Trotters are our fan club members who bought a fan club pack last year. Is from Liam. What was the lucky loony? This is actually a sports-related thing, so I don't know, oh. if Colin. You it sounds Canadian. It does sound. I would agree with that because they're money. Looney, yes, yeah, Looney is a Canadian loony. coin. Something with a duck if it's sports, is it? Something with well, if you're if you're giving me the is sports clue, I'm gonna go hockey. Correct. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, man, we're getting in probably like the the, uh, the the most shallow area of my sports knowledge, which is uh, hockey. I don't know. Uh, that's I think that's as far as we can get it. Uh, so a lucky shot in a big game, maybe or something. Is it like the coin flip? The coin is actually it is referring to the coin. Oh, the coin it is. is lucky. Oh, okay. Oh, 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 was this the the 
the coin flip for the team that got the rights to draft somebody or something like that? No. Nope. Okay, I don't know. No, okay. <laughs> I don't know. You were so excited. Uh, I, was, uh, I thought I was onto something. Okay. So in 2002, the mm-hmm. Winter Olympics, mm-hmm. uh, there was for, for the hockey or for the rink, they had a consultant, Dan Craig, and he's from Edmonton, Canada. Him and his whole team were there to be consultants. And what they did was they hid a coin, oh. a loony coin. At first it was a dime, but it was a little bit too small to see. They hid a loony coin in the middle of the rink ah. underneath the ice and didn't tell anybody about it except for the Canadian teams. That year, both men and women's team won. Mm. Huh. And so that coin was dug up and then, uh, it was, it was just, g- got really popular. They even did reprints of the coin, even of though course. it's just a loony. Right, right. Because <laughs> it was like, you know, sports. Which is, which is a, a $1 coin. Is that what that is? I think so. Yeah. Because there's the toonie. Oh. Which is the $2. <laughs> yeah. I like that. So okay. that is the lucky loony 2002 Winter Olympics. Which is probably hmm. somewhere in the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame today. No, they gave it to Wayne Gretzky. Oh. They actually gave the coin. The re- the actual coin, but they also remade a bunch of them. Nice. The Lucky Looney. Well, thank you, Liam. That was a very Canadian heavy or <laughs> hockey heavy fact. That's, yeah, that's a good one. Us all. That's a good one. All right. So this week, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's Coachella, which is the music festival that's going on. Um, there's PAX, which is the video game stuff going on. There's Easter is coming up. It seems yeah. like it's a really festive time. So this week, we decided to explore the world of partying and celebration and <laughs> festivities spring break is coming up oh spring break is coming up that's true so uh time to party (laughs) make up your mind sweet baby right here right now is all we got a little party never killed nobody so we gonna dance until we drop All right, I will get us going with a little uh, party for the brains, if you will. <laughs> Sounds super cool. Cute <laughs> yeah, party animal, you. <laughs> uh, you guys can do this as a team if you want. There's only okay. two of you here. We'll, uh, you know, relax the rules a little bit. Okay. Um, I've noticed that uh, I was doing, you know, uh, kind of just some brainstorming research, as I always do for the show. And I noticed that a lot of uh, party terminology uh, are loan words or very common terms we get from other languages. Oh. So I've got okay. a, a few choice uh, select samples here for you. These are terms that we hear all the time that we may not know the meanings of. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. From That's different languages. From different languages. Well, from at least uh, three languages. Oh, yes. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pinata. So yeah, we okay. will. Uh, we'll get started here. Warm up your brains together. Okay. So uh, right. when you guys are invited to a party, yeah. often be asked to RSVP. Yeah. So please, please enlighten us and tell us what does RSVP stand for. Respondez s'il vous plaît. You guys, you, yeah. you, so close, very close. It's, what? It's it's répondez, répondez. Oh, re- oh. Yeah, but fair enough. I will absolutely give you guys. Please respond. I'll give you credit for that one. That's right. Uh, répondez s'il vous plaît. Please respond. Unless otherwise stated on the invitation, you guys may or may not know that you know the really strict etiquette is. Oh means respond either way. Yeah. You know, it doesn't just mean, let me know if you're coming. It means, let me know if you're coming 
or if you're not coming, so I can oh, plan. Okay. Yeah. So like weddings, weddings especially things That's like super that, parties formal. or whatever. Yeah, you know, if like, you're following like the really formal, you know, like we talked about Emily Post on the show, mm-hmm. you know, she's like it's it's like bad etiquette not Nowadays, to respond. So. Maybe or you yeah, say maybe. you're going and you don't show up. <laughs> yeah. Because you're like I'm too tired. Flake. <laughs> I feel like with like a We're internet in a generation of flakes. <laughs> say yes is i don't want to look like a jerk by being in the no list yeah, yeah. i would say most of the people who select yes show up i'm always like that sounds fun that sounds fun yes yeah. i'll go yes i go and then wednesday comes i was like i'm tired there's like a 60 percent chance <laughs> yeah, yeah, so like maybe uh, yeah it's better than 50 50 yeah. <laughs> horrible <laughs> so let's assume that you do in fact uh go ahead and attend that party yeah. uh and you show up it's a fancy party and when you arrive, you are served with some hors d'oeuvres. All right. Get your, get your appetite going there. So uh, you guys, I'm sure, correctly assume that this is a French term. Correct. Uh, yes. You're not getting points we, we, for that. You're okay. not getting points for assuming it's It has an apostrophe French. in it. It does. It does. I'll even spell it for you if you'd like. It's yeah. uh, H-O-R-S-D apostrophe O-U-V-R-E-S. Okay. I know... So what? So the question, as you can probably guess, is what does hors d'oeuvre mean in French? Mm. Okay, I think. Oh no, that's oeuvres. I was like, I think that means egg. Mm. Uh, it sounds like it, but it's not the same word. Oh mm-hmm. man, you know what? I know a moose bouche. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know what it's mouth is it. teaser. Yeah, you mouth, probably know mouth pleasure. You, you yeah. probably have heard <laughs> yeah. mouth pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> so hors d'oeuvre means outside the main work, out, outside okay. the main dish, outside. So if if the main dish is the primary work of the meal, these are things uh, aside from the main course. Which one is the work? Uh, oof. Okay. Yeah, and then or is outside. Yeah. Oh, okay. At New Year's Eve parties, yep. uh, particularly in English-speaking countries, uh, there's a good chance that at the stroke of oh. midnight, you'll hear people singing Auld Lang Syne. Yeah. So tell me, what does Auld Lang Syne oh. mean? It's Latin. Yeah. It's not Whoa! Latin. Is it? It does sound German. Latin. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of it. It was written by Robert Burns, one of his uh, most famous compositions. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's Scots. Okay. Something it's about sing? the times. Yeah, yeah. Song of the times. I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll yeah. give it to you. It's like times gone by. Yeah. Like like days gone by. So poetic. Time times long ago. So in Scots, it would literally translate most closely. Old Lang Syne would be old long since. Is it that song? That's the okay. song. That's yeah. the one. <laughs> Sitting here, I was yeah. like, "What song are What's they the talking name? about?" Which he kind of, which he kind of put the words to an existing tune. Okay, you know, so it was like that. That that melody is an old melody that we sort of paired. With oh, all kind of like um, our national anthem, right? Yeah, that's right. Star Spangled uh, Banner, Happy right. Birthday, right? Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. An existing tune. They put words to it. Also, mm-hmm. yep, exactly. All right, last one. You might spot this item at a children's birthday party. And though it is usually associated with Mexican culture, oh, yeah. the name itself is ultimately derived from an Italian word for pine cone. What am I talking about? Oh, Karen. Piñata. Yes, piñata. Yeah, sorry, I ruined yeah. in the beginning of the show. I was like, I know piñata. I'm pretty impressed, though. You right off the bat. Yeah, you knew piñata was going to be there. Well, uh, so yeah. do you know piñatas used to not be like paper mache animals? Yes. They used to be a clay pot that kids would oh. beat up. You are absolutely and right. 
it would shatter into a bunch of pieces with kids running around. Yeah. That seems easier to break. Well, it's not glass. It's not like, you know, it's clay. But still. Uh, no, you were absolutely trying right. Trying to fish through the candies through yeah. shards of, like, pottery. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, the, the, the sort of the modern pinata that we have, like, that practice was introduced to Mexico by the Spanish. The original practice, yeah, before they started getting fancier and more decorated yeah. was it would be a fairly simple, just kind of earthenware clay pot. Yeah. Nice. It seems like it's one of these things where like sort of the European Spanish style tradition meshed well with some existing traditions. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of cultures, I mean, it's sort of simple. Yeah. A lot of cultures have some variation on the hitting an object with treats inside yeah. um, uh, celebration. Sorry, one of the segments I was going to talk about, I was going to do like a history of pin the tail on the donkey, which I oh, couldn't really yeah. find that much about it, but mm-hmm. a lot of different cultures have a similar game. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we put the tail on the donkey, but in Japan they put, like, eyebrows on the guy. You know, it's, it's really... <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's that's funny. Of course, there's a, a tradition where you beat the crap out of a yeah, thing and they can't get something out. good out of the middle, sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, well done, guys. Speaking of Mexican Aztec culture, they were the first people who made animal-shaped balloons. Whoa! But they would take out of. I'm afraid to ask out of what. Guess I mean out of like intestines. It's got to be intestine. Okay. So from small animals, and it has special thread, and they sew it up, and then they blow some air into it and twist it a bit, and let it harden in the sun, and then put more air in it and twist it more and let it harden. Because if you think about working with guts or <laughs> it would be really hard to blow it up and yeah. twist it. So and there's a whole process. that it's like airtight. Yeah. yeah. And then they'd do some like religious rites with it and they'd make them into the shape of dogs or, or some kind of like a special kind of donkey, <laughs> which is awesome. I would imagine then the balloon animals back then, they were hard. They're not flexible, bouncy. They're like, yeah, almost like a statue or like a sculpture. Yeah, or, or like a, yeah, like a paper mache almost, it sounds oh. like. But it's a black that's been inflated. <laughs> mm, what a fun child's toy. <laughs> so the rubber balloons, though, where did those come from? They were, it was for scientific research. Oh, really? This guy invented it. For like in, capturing vapors or something? He was doing experiments with hydrogen, the gas. And so he took some, some rubber and he made two rounds. He put some flour between them. He sealed the edges uh, and then he forced he, uh, hydrogen into it and floated. And he's uh, like, whoa, look at that. And then the next year, they made uh, balloons commercially available to people. There was a kit, and it had like a jar of rubber, <laughs> liquid rubber, and a syringe. <laughs> oh, weird. It wasn't until the late 1800s that they, they got it going, and you could get them from like Montgomery Ward's catalogs and became a huge novelty right around the depression actually they started that's when they <laughs> really started you know what kids want captured air yeah. <laughs> like the they're oil. so neat though yeah they are <laughs> so the modern balloons most of the rub- like the rubber ones are actually made out of latex and so you fill them up with helium they leave the atmosphere. They they freeze when they get into the really cold air. Oh, really? And then they break up and become really thin spaghetti-like strips of... And yeah. then when they go to the ground, they, they're biodegradable. They're like <gasps> pieces of leaves. Oh, oh that's good. So, okay. so it's less... less Terrible. All right. I'm going to no start way. releasing even more balloons every <laughs> yeah. day. Because I think about when I go to Disneyland, which is a lot, I see all the kids like crying because yeah. they actually left the, the yeah. Mickey ear balloons out floating that is, in the that air. Is and I'm like, where do they go? They'll probably return to the earth. 
at some okay. point. Yeah. But they freeze. That's interesting. That is really yeah. cool. I did that once as a kid. I wrote like, with my dad's help. He helped me like I wrote like a message uh, and like we like, you know, weatherproofed it and tied it to a helium balloon and just released it. And then, you know, and it's like, what? if you find this, you know, call us at whatever. And, and then nothing happened. Of course, like, you know, we never heard anything it's, about it. It probably again, broke up into I, little pieces. Yeah. And nobody could oh, read the it. note. Yeah. The yeah. note did. Also, man, just the odds of the odds of it landing like on land, you know, yeah, near a human or who will entertain that yes. and want to do it. Some walrus somewhere. I'll let you know if I ever hear back from the balloon. <laughs> I want to know. It's been hello. It's been it's been over twenty years. Yeah. I, I probably not going to hear back at this point. So I want to talk about a party. Uh, that we probably are all familiar with, but uh, for, like me, I, I've heard about it, but I don't know the details. It's coming up. It's uh, going to be in August, okay. and it's La Tomatina. Have you guys oh, heard of it? Oh, yes. It's the yeah. tomato fight festival right. in yeah. Spain. Right. I've seen this on, on cable. Where thousands of people join in throwing tomatoes at each other. And they just Sounds just fun. trucks and trucks and trucks, trucks full of tomatoes, right? This is like on my bucket list. This is amazing. <laughs> like I one it. day I'm going to do it. So La Tomatina occurs in the town of Buñol, which is uh, near Valencia. So participants join in and they basically just hit each other with tomatoes and the whole streets just covered with smushed tomatoes and tomato juice and people look so happy all of their clothes are drenched <laughs> yeah, yeah. red it looks kind of oh. bloody but it's not all <laughs> tomato juice it's so fascinating and there's so many other festivals that are kind of like like this like you know kind of like a fight a fun yeah. fight there's a big water fight one in Thailand in Thailand yeah. there's Holi the Indian one with the cornstarch that's colored yeah the color yeah. the color yeah. festival yeah. and so when I first read about the tomato festival i thought it was like oh it must be some sort of religious thing because holy is and mm-hmm. I, the, the water fight one is too actually tomatina not religious at all oh it isn't it isn't there's there's no real good origin story that's confirmed of how it started one theory is there was like a, just a parade in the street and there was this one guy who fell off a float and got really angry and there was a vegetable stand. So in in his rage, uh, he you uh-huh. know flipped over the stand, and you know it was I don't know. Yeah, other, I, I agree with yeah. Dana. My my skepticism alert is up. The other yeah. theory is is even crazier. There was like a another kind of town celebration, where people are out in the square, out on the streets, and there are these uh vermins eating some food or whatever. <laughs> and this one guy decided to throw a tomato to like shoo off the animal and, and accidentally hit a guy and the guy was like what you threw a tomato on me I'm gonna throw a tomato back oh, and it became yeah. a that does sound equally one, I like that one better yeah, yeah way, they yeah. both sound they both sound really kind of uh, weak explanations to me <laughs> or really it's just an excuse for a couple of kids to throw tomatoes at each other yeah. right. seems like right. that's kind of how um, long has it been going on it started around 1940s okay mm-hmm. so it's not super Old. Not super. Okay. So it's not that traditional. Okay. Okay. Um, um, and you might think it might be traditional. It's like, oh, related to the harvest or something. I, that and was always not. my assumption. Like it, it evolved out of some, you know, tribute to some saint or some harvest festival. And no, no, no. So the next year, I mean, according to both theories, the next year the same kids showed up and they started throwing. They brought their own tomatoes <laughs> this time and threw <laughs> tomatoes at each other, and just more people joined in. And at first, you know, for the first probably decade the police had to break people up uh, it wasn't it wasn't like oh this looks like a fun thing it's like no you're posing threat and danger yeah. to people yeah. of this town <laughs> but people just kept showing up 
every year around this time and throwing tomatoes at each other and just kind of grew and grew and grew. Finally, in the 80s, late 70s, early 80s, the town was like, let's embrace this. It took 30 years yeah, <laughs> for them to make it official. That's a long time. Yeah, it's a long, a long time. time for them to miss out on cashing in yeah. on tourism. and then So the town hall decided like, okay, this is going to be a town-sponsored event. We're going to organize it. This is how party day tomato throwing day this is the the, the itinerary oh okay uh-huh. all right i thought it was just a whole day of chucking tomatoes at each other no there's like a certain schedule it would get old i would think itinerary uh-huh 10 a.m festivities begin with the first event of tomatino which is called <laughs> <laughs> which is called the ham pole sure the paulo yambone right <laughs> ham Oh, the ham pull. Ham. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. The pork product, Got ham. Uh huh. The ham pull, of course. Sure. It's a pole, like a flag pole, that's greased up, and there's a ham on the top <laughs> of the pole. And the goal is for people to climb the grease pole to reach the ham and make the ham fall to the ground. Okay, th- okay. and that that is sort of a common event at a lot a, of traditional a festivals. Tall is, pole yeah, or yeah, a flag uh-huh. or something. Right, right. Um, you know, people are already drunk. They're dancing. They're singing, waiting for the ham to drop. It's <laughs> yeah. like a ball drop. Uh, the ham <laughs> drops, and that's the beginning of the tomato throwing. That signifies <laughs> the, the start. The when the ham hits the ground. <laughs> It gets real. Yeah. Um, there is like sometimes a gun or some sort of sound effect. I'd be like, okay, ham, ham is, we have confirmed. Ham is on the ground. Ham is on the ground. <laughs> Repeat. They, they have uh, tomatoes in trucks mm-hmm. already and you know, everybody's gearing up and they start throwing tomatoes for exactly one hour. Okay. Uh. One hour and exactly one hour later, they will signify that this is the time to stop and everybody stops. So really, depending on how good the ham catcher is or whatever, the ham faller, <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know, the ham tipper. Uh, you're probably done by that, noon. That, you know, uh, honestly, like an hour, a solid hour of like throwing tomatoes and being hit by tomatoes, I'd probably be done as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then they have water hoses and stuff Got for it. everybody for the whole street to clean up. Then it's a water party. Giant bags of chips. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Eat salsa yeah, off of yeah, each you other. Yeah, scrape it yeah. off yourselves. So, well, that's the thing. Actually, um, they're grown specifically. Specifically <laughs> for for Tomatina, for Tomatina, they're they're cheaper and they have a you know the taste is not as good as <laughs> right. As these Tomatina. these are throwing quality yeah, tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, there are five main rules. All right, to it's like Fight Club. <laughs> First rule of tomato throwing club: uh-huh. the tomatoes have to be squashed before you throw them. Oh, you cannot throw a fully whole tomato. You gotta because oh, that hurts. Yep, yep, you gotta soften it up. Interesting. That's better. Not right. allowed to just hurt people makes sense it's also juicier when it hits yeah, them it's, also, so it's better because yeah. mm. if it just bounces off of you it doesn't yeah. have good point the same. number two no other projectiles except tomatoes <laughs> are allowed fair. Yeah. you know they're just like like they had to some jerk is like sticking like coins and rocks oh, in no. like the middle of his yeah. tomatoes like Razor no blades. just yeah. tomatoes buddy there's a similar festival that where you throw oranges in italy Ow. i believe yeah that i don't know if you have more, to yeah squash those but like tomatoes are, are softer okay yeah. number three tomato fight club uh, participants have to give way to the trucks, and the trucks are huge. They carry, like, uh, I think uh, the numbers are 150,000 tomatoes. <laughs> okay. Single tomatoes, over 40 metric tons. Seems fair. Okay. Yeah. Stay out of the way of the trucks. Don't get in the traffic. Okay. <laughs> number yeah. number four makes, makes sense. 
Festival doesn't allow ripping off T-shirts. <laughs> I can Sick. see that being a problem. Yeah, <laughs> like you get caught up in the and mob. You grab frenzy. people. Yeah. Now, does that also include like Hulk Hogan style? Like, can I That's, rip off my own T-shirt? That is T-shirt probably if I did- what it yeah. was for. <laughs> it's like keep your shirt. Stop on. flexing. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Last rule of Tomato Fight Club: After the second shot, signifying the end, no tomatoes can be thrown. Right. Or you will get in trouble. So in just the last year, they actually had to limit the tomato festival because, you know, it was really, it's fun. It sounds super fun. Lots of tourists come and uh, they had to finally limit Mm. the number of people. Mm -hmm. So uh, 5,000 tickets are allotted to locals of the town. And then three times that, 15,000 tickets allotted to foreigners. So that just gives you a sense of how many tourists come. To this small town in Spain. Just to flood this one main street. Just to hurl and, tomatoes yeah. at each other. Um, and now they even have like a online kind of a buy your ticket online and stuff. <laughs> and now it's like, you know, sponsored by this, by, yeah. brought to you by Coca-Cola, you know, whatever. But it seems How like fun. a fun party. I think it's going to be on my... On my bucket list. Nice. I'm gonna All do right. that. If you have been to the Tomato Festival, yeah, let us know. Send us a photo. Yes, sounds super fun. Maybe that's our next meetup. Who is a tomato what? festival? <laughs> that would be crazy. That'd be awesome. <laughs> All right, let's take a, a quick break. A word from our sponsor. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Good Job Brain. Smooth puzzles, smart trivia, Good Job Brain. And speaking of a good time and party, I have a little mini quiz about party inventions okay (laughs) party inventions yes okay inventions are things that you see at a party to facilitate party having all right i have one in particular i'm hoping that you'll talk about but i'll I'll wait i'll see yeah yeah Yeah. all right right. so here we go it's all kind of scientific (laughs) that's where my mind is at all right what party related item comes in various widths and sometimes features a concertina type hinge uh, item comes in various widths. I was thinking disco ball, but I don't know. The oh, con- concertina is a type of instrument. Mm-hmm. The piano? Different widths. Hinge. Hinge, like the little noisemakers, party hat. 
different widths. Different widths is what's throwing me. It is a drinking straw. Oh, oh. oh it's the little bendy straws. It's the, the bendy straw that oh. uh, what the industry calls an articulated straw. We call it a bendy straw. <laughs> that type of hinge, the little accordion uh-huh, style. Uh-huh. Concertina is a accordion. Oh, accordion. Right. Mm-hmm. Ah, of course. It's called a concertina type hinge and it comes in various widths and they have different numbers assigned to the widths of uh usually they're describing millimeters okay uh-huh. um and so you have something standards is like 2.5 or 3 to like up to 15 which is kind of like a bigger than a boba straw <laughs> okay so many many yeah. widths all right next question so the pillsbury company famous for their crescent rolls uh-huh. and frozen cookie dough and other frozen or ready-made baked goods and uh, dough boys yeah yep yep they have the dough boy as the company mascot uh-huh what is his name oh oh isn't it poppin fresh yes yeah oh my god yeah. i read this i was like he has a name. I That's thought it was right. Pillsbury Doughboy. Poppin' Fresh. Poppin' yeah. Fresh. No G. Poppin' apostrophe. Yeah. And they have like, fresh. like they use that in the commercials, right? Like Poppin' Fresh dough or Poppin' Fresh yeah. rolls or something. I think they, they used it more in maybe the 80s or 90s. And, and it sounds the very 90s. Yeah. yeah. Poppin' it Fresh. It oh, does. it wasn't like a hip hop thing. Oh, okay. It was like. Put some, yeah. some little sunglasses It on. wasn't like poppin' and lockin' in a fresh <laughs> way. It was like. Like the rolls are. Pop, they're popping up yeah, fresh. Yeah. Can you do the Doughboy impression? <laughs> I thought it was woohoo. I thought it was hee hee. Oh, we're like freaking people. Out. Yeah. All right. We'll stop making that noise <laughs> like in there. All the ears. animals. The cat. The cat's to- looking at us like, "What are you guys doing?" <laughs> all right. Uh, next question: What decorative item is an example of demonstrating the fluid mechanics phenomenon called the RT instability? I have a hint. Oh. Okay. The RT instability is an interface between two fluids of different densities that yeah. occur when the lighter fluid is pushing out the heavier fluid. Dana. Mm. Lava lamp. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The lava lamp. All right. Last question. Time Out London published a list of 100 ultimate party songs. Okay. Oh. The song in the number one spot features 19 uh-ohs and 14 consecutive all right, and it's titular holler twenty five times. What song is this? Ah, uh, okay, holler. It's a party song. And it says all right, and Anna. So the title comes up twenty five times. Oh, is it everybody dance now? Nineteen uh ohs uh, and fourteen uh, consecutive is it crazy all right. In love? No. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, Number one party song. You hear it, and you just want to dance. It's got to be something that's just like, what is it? Oh, oh, oh right. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, it goes into Outcasts. That is That's the number one party song established by Time Out London. Got it. All right, there you go. That's my nice. little mini party quiz. Excellent. Good quiz. So we talked uh, a few episodes ago, I think, about the uh, the nursery rhyme, sing a song of sixpence, oh. you know, because uh, Dana, like, you know, you were talking about specifically how there was a story that it was a a, a pirate recruiting song. Wait, yes. sing, a, sing a song of sixpence. 
a pocket full of rye. Four and twenty blackbirds Black baked, baked in, in a pie. pie. Yeah, it was like a pirate message. That's what Snopes planted. Yeah. And like they had planted it like as a way to troll. People were stealing their yeah. information. Yeah. Uh, aside from that, there are actually a number of theories about what exactly this children's rhyme means. You know, that, oh, it's an allegory for political conflict or it's mm. connected with the Reformation and that although the verses are full of meanings, I'm not going to talk about what we know it isn't. I want to talk about what we do know. And what we do know is that in the past, at fancy dinner parties, it was indeed a real thing to serve a pie with live birds inside. Oh, oh my god! You know, just for fun. And you'd cut it open and birds fly out. Yeah. That's like, you know, <laughs> having the sexy girl on the birthday cake and they pop out. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, so weird. It is kind of like that. You're yeah. right. Releasing doves. But or... it's grosser. You didn't bake the cake with the girl yeah, in it, Yeah, how though. does that work? Are they baking the pie with the live birds in it, like, slightly? Or are they brulee <laughs> well, the top? I oh. will tell you exactly how they would this pull off this feat. Right, right. So there's one particularly famous example uh, that's cited. Is uh, this from a cookbook? Well, so yes, this is from a cookbook. Uh, this is from an Italian cookbook uh, in the mid-1500s. Oh, my God. Uh, okay. It was translated into English in 1598 uh, and offers <laughs> quite detailed instructions on how to pull off this prank pie. Essentially, what the, the prank would be is prank. What the serving is is <laughs> you bake a tiny, real little pie, smaller than a normal pie, and you get that along with some real birds inside of a larger shell. So you cut it open, the birds fly out, but then there still is at least something in the middle yeah. for you but to people, eat. When it's people covered eat with that, bird poop. I know. <laughs> I don't want to eat a pie that like weird birds have been birds. standing on. Yeah. Birds in distress yeah. have been yeah. marching yeah. over. <laughs> Stressing out. <laughs> what could be more sanitary? I mean, yeah. so uh, here are some here are some uh, selections from the recipe. Quote. To make pies that the birds may be alive in them and fly out when it is cut up. And I'll, I'll summarize the intro to the recipe. Pretty, basically, what you start with a, a larger-than-normal pie shell, yeah. uh, which they call a coffin. Okay. Uh, you start Pre-baked. With a, yeah. And uh, the recipe, I'm quoting here, Then having a pie of the bigness of the hole in the bottom aforesaid, you shall put into it round about the aforesaid pie as many small live birds as the empty coffin will hold besides the pie aforesaid which he's uh, referring to the yeah. small real pie that you would stuff have made. as many birds in there as possible yes. and fit the small pie okay yes and this is to be done at such time as you send the pie to the table so right before you serve it Got you it. know you know they're, they're so not hanging they minimize the time yeah. in there and set before the guests where uncovering or cutting up the lid of the great pie all the birds will fly out which is to delight and pleasure <laughs> show to the company <laughs> <laughs> the birds, like, attack. You shall cut open the small pie, and in this sort, you may make many others and serve as you would a tort. So uh, it's like, sorry okay. I scared you with the birds, here's the real pie inside. All right. Sure. Why the hell are people baking birds into pies? Like, why is this even a thing? Why are you going to the efforts of, of pranking your guests like this? And I did a little bit of research into this, and and I, I admit the whole thing still sounds rather absurd, and it is, but it makes a little more sense in, in a larger context. Okay. All right. So if you were attending, like, a fancy dinner party uh, in Europe, you know, like, nobility or royals or just well-to-do people, um, in the medieval era, you know, up even into the early Renaissance, you would frequently have many courses. Uh -huh. And between the courses, they would often have what are called entremets, uh, which is from an old French term meaning meaning between servings, between okay. courses, entremet. And the idea of the entremet was 
entertainment entertainment food okay entertainment Um, food what else so these are things you know to amuse you to give a little bit of snack of some kind and you know they think originally it it probably just started as like really colorful or fanciful looking things you know like maybe a little dessert or something brightly colored to kind of just grab your attention cleanse the palate but it got a little bit more elaborate and a little bit more elaborate and more and more spectacle so Karen you asked like what were some of the examples examples? so a very common example was disguised foods okay so a lot of the entremont (laughs) were really focused on foods made to look like one thing but taste like another like meatloaf cake tofurkey yeah yeah like the meatloaf cake like so you might have some sweet something really dessert like or bready made to look up like a savory or a roast chicken or something that's awesome you might serve the meat of one animal stuffed into the skin of another animal turducken yep they would do elaborate things with birds like swans or or peacocks even where you would cook it dress it get all the meat prepared and then refit it with the oh, original gross. plumage so gross. it's wheeled out to you sort of looking lifelike with the plumage but it's cooked there would be, there would be a lot of uh, little scenes created you know like that that had particular meaning to the host or maybe the guest of honor you know it might be a recreation of a castle or a recreation of a little battle That's scene you know all made out of food like a diorama. really like a diorama that you could eat <laughs> Some of the some of the most intriguing examples to me, like they sound like something out of a Mad Magazine version of Game of Thrones. <laughs> like they're just silly. So my my personal favorite is a scene that's brought out. It's a roasted chicken suited up to look like a medieval knight. So okay, little roasted chicken, complete okay. with little paper helmet. <laughs> Little paper lance riding a roasted piglet like a horse (laughs) riding into battle. Like anything else involving nobility and people with money showing off and trying to one-up each other, it just escalated to extreme heights. Like it really was about the entertainment Hmm. value and a very common recurring thing that would be done with baking things into pies. Did uh, they put other animals in the pies? Oh, yeah. Like yeah. cats? It could be as big as you wanted to make the pie. It was reported <laughs> uh, that at a reception in the 17th century, the Duke of Buckingham had prepared for his guests a, uh, a fake pie concealing... Jeffrey Hudson, who was a famous little person at the time among the courts of Europe and was friends with with the guests that the Duke was celebrating. This is where the sexy girl from the birthday (laughs) came from. Yeah, you know what? I think that's probably the the closest thing to the sexy lady popping out of the cake is Jeffrey Hudson popping out of a pie at a celebration (laughs) by the Duke of Buckingham. Yes. So I think in that larger context... Four and twenty blackbirds baked in a pie. I'm like, yeah, you know what? NBD. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. They didn't even bake them in there. Yeah. They were not baked in. That's right. Which explains how they could still be alive and fly out. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's weird. Yeah. So keep that in mind next time time you hear that nursery rhyme. A lot of time in their hands. (laughs) Yeah. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. And speaking a lot of time on their hands, <laughs> I had a lot of time on my hands because in our final party quiz, I brought back Shakespeare Goes to a House Party. Oh, yeah. Okay. The the premise of this quiz is I have written, I picked famous big party song hits. Like when you go to a house party, they might be playing the song. Mm-hmm. And what I did is I wrote them into, uh, all except one, into Shakespearean Elizabethan English couplets. Okay. And I have... A William Shakespeare fake Shakespeare reading them backed with some fresh beats. Yay! <laughs> and uh, you guys will listen to what I wrote um, and try to name the line of the lyric. You can name the song or the artist you want, but specifically, it is alluding to a famous line of a famous party song. Awesome. Okay. And see if you can identify them. Here we go. Let's start with the the non rhyming, probably the easiest one, so everybody gets a flavor of it. Here you go and buzz in with your answer. Tis mine banquet and ball with sorrow, mine eyes shall. Oh. It's, Dana. it's my party. party. And I'll cry if I want to. Yes. Yeah. Who sang that? Was that. Um, uh... Leslie Gore. Oh. Tis mine banquet and ball <laughs> with sorrow, mine eyes shall. It's my party and I cry if I want to. Next one. You there, good lad. Not any reason for lament. I say, good lad, kneel up from that pavement. Oh, oh. You guys are quick. Yeah. YMCA. It's YMCA, yeah. Yes. Young well, man, there's no the, need to feel down. I said young man. Pick yourself off the ground. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You there, good lad. Not any reason for lament. I say, good lad, kneel up from that pavement. Nice. <laughs> okay, this next one was a weird line of lyric. We'll see if everybody gets it. All right, here we go. A jug of whiskey on my fangs. It will clean and burn. For when tis time to part this evening, I shan't return. Dana. Is this Kesha? Yes. Yeah. Oh! oh. <laughs> the line is, uh, brush my teeth with a right. bottle of Jack. Right, right. Because when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. Whisked you on yeah. my fangs. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, I was like, fangs. well, bottle of Jack, I guess that's a jug of whiskey. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, they didn't really have... I like its fangs, though. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't want to say teeth, right? <laughs> so that's the thing. When I when I write these, I'm not doing one-to-one. Like, I, I'm never going to repeat the yeah. words. You got to make us work for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, next one. I beckon thee, let sweetness cascade down mine skin. Tis your affection I desire within. <laughs> Is it 
Oh man, is it is this a Def Leppard? Pour uh, some sugar on me. Uh, pour some sugar on me. Yes. Uh, yeah. Pour some sugar. On me. <laughs> nice. All right, and last one, probably my favorite one. Here we go. Mm-hmm. The air hath ripened feverish in these parlors. I say, disrobe thine ensemble of coats and collars. It's <laughs> <laughs> Nelly hot in hair. Hot in so her. take off yeah. all, all your, your clothes. clothes. I try nice. to make these all rhyme. That was good. So, yeah, that, that was, was good. good. The rhyme into rhyme. Yeah, um, it, it pays off. Feverish like lament and pavement. That was good. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Well, you guys did very well. It's Shakespeare goes to a house party thanks to William Shakespeare. And that is our show. Uh, we'll be back next week with Chris in hand. In hand? No. <laughs> thank you guys for joining me. And thank you guys, listeners, for listening to our show. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and also on our website, goodjobbrain.com. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.